you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL podcast is thinking about Mark's slot. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by SiriusXM. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. The money drops are getting so inside baseball that we don't even get the joke anymore. (laughs) I'm jogging through my memory and have no idea. But that's okay. I'm totally at a loss. Someone else out there. It's a reference to you the other day, uh, sort of waiting to talk because you hadn't thought about what you're going to say when when your turn came up. Yeah. It's gotten to the point where someone would reference something that happened like on Monday's show. I don't remember... Five seconds of Monday's show. It's kind of so, like with a joke. If you have to explain the joke, the joke's already failed. If you have to explain mm, the money drop. Mm. But that's sort Stop of on us because it was Stop a recent reference. You're right. So. We can just move past it. <laughs> well, I got it. Delete the last 40 seconds. Wes, ca- Wes came up with it, Dan, apparently. So. I did not come up. Dan, you did yell like, Mark, I can't stop thinking about your slot. I, and I'm a lot sure of people were tweeting yeah. it and stuff. So I feel like they'll get it. Really at home. With I don't listeners. blame you, Dan. I don't yeah, blame you. I, I'm sure I did say that. I say that a lot to Mark. Both uh, on mic and off. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, we are, I believe, 29 days away from kickoff of the regular season. On this upcoming Monday or? You know it's Wednesday, right? Is today mo- Wednesday? <laughs> yes. yes we, okay. the whole, I know you were in New York, but the whole world moved on. We Did had it? We had our Monday yep. and Tuesday, but you were, you I were was busy. Yes, I was in New York. I, a great weekend with the family. Went and saw the Yankees. I got to see the Rolling Stones with my dad, Keith Hansis, the biggest Stones fan alive. So that was all special. And then my plane gets delayed. So I get back to L.A. at 11 p.m. And then straight into Hard Knocks duties, which we're going to get to later. The old Zeuser's not clocking in and hopping into the sack until about 4 a.m. last night. A little rough. I mean, I do like right it's good to always fly home and have a weekend that you could have had in 1986. 
Yankees baseball and the Rolling Stones. It was. <laughs> it was a nice turn back of the clock. Or 76. Uh, or 66. <laughs> uh, today's show, yes, Hard Knocks premiered on Tuesday night. So um, I handled the write-up over on the dot-com, and we're going to discuss what we took out of the first episode, which, of course, features the Oakland Raiders. Um, playoff predictions. It's always fun to... Um, Take a look at where everybody finished last year. 32 teams, six teams in the AFC, six teams in the NFC, six plus six is 12. 32 minus 12 is 20. 10 teams in each conference. So there's 10 teams in each conference that don't make the playoffs of that group of t- Is that right? Yes, I nailed it. You, you confused right me run. with the last part, but I think sure right. did. I, don't know. I wasn't confused. like you know how math teachers or whatever say show your work like don't don't, 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 don't show your work. Yeah, I got there though, didn't I? So there I are guess. ten teams from each conference that did not make the postseason last year. We're each going to nominate a couple teams from that group that will get into the dance this January. And yes, zero sum game, baby. So we got to take some teams out. Uh, that did make it last year uh, of the 12 oh, wait, And those teams are shaking in their boots when they learn what we come up with here. That, hopefully they're avoid, They're very busy in training camps. You don't want to have that um, that voodoo on you. So stay away from this clear uh, this podcast, NFL teams. Huh? Also coming up uh, is the news. So let's get to it. Here's what we're hearing presented by Sirius XM. Ricky. Let's do it. You know, the season, the season's nearly started. The game starts this week. Any, is there any Giants fans out there? Is there any Jets fans out there? Is there any Patriots fans out there? Oh, the capacity crowd at MetLife Stadium. And Jagger, who, you know, has Mick Jagger ever watched an NFL game? Yeah or nay? I think he's seen – well, he, hasn't he performed at the Super Bowl? Yes, he did the Super Bowl 40 in Detroit. Maybe part of that one. Perhaps. I think he – I even vaguely remember, yeah, when they did the little press conference, whatever, it was clear they were not, you know, American football fans. Right. They, not they, that they, I would they kept it real. They're the Stones. I thought that was Neil Reynolds for a second. So. <laughs> <laughs> it does have a bit of a Reynoldsian vibe to it. Uh, let's get to the news. And, yes, this is a story. Let's start here. When you When you go into the – the Hall of Fame of weird sports indus- uh, injuries. We have a new one, uh, and it's submitted by Antonio Brown, the prized trade acquisition of the Raiders, um, who had a mysterious foot al- ailment that he's been dealing with for weeks now, and we didn't get really any true insight into how he injured the feet. I mean, obviously, it's the offseason. How would you have a foot injury that would basically wipe you out of training camp to this point? Uh, hoping to hear more on Hard Knocks last night. You didn't get any more uh, details from Hard Knocks, but there was a report that came out on NBC Sports um, on Tuesday that he was dealing with frostbite on his feet (laughs) because he went into one of those cryo chamber things. Is it a cryo chamber? Cryotherapy 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 chamber. chamber, But wasn't wearing the the right shoes, so it, it messed up his feet leading to blistering and peeling and all that. And it was now, so that was thrown out there Tuesday and then Wednesday confirmed by ESPN, confirmed by NFL uh, Network, that that is indeed how Brown injured himself. And now you now you can connect the dots, Mark, why John Gruden, we got the report a few days ago, was annoyed that he, wouldn't, he hasn't had his star player on the field. This is an all-timer. 
All-timer. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it keeps up a proud 5,000-year tradition where the first case of frostbite was discovered um, in a, on the feet of a pre-Columbian mummy in the Chilean mountains. But I will say this because these athletes, they're doing all this stuff in the offseason. And I wouldn't put it past it to have a cryo chamber in his own house. But I would, just say, I would just say this. If it's in a facility, the same way when you go to the dentist and if, if someone, in a, a dental assistant, you know, took a molar out of your mouth by mistake without any warning, you know, if, if someone allowed him to go into this chamber with the wrong footwear, is that on Antonio Brown or someone else? Or I with just, no I, footwear. Or, or with no footwear. He I just, just I don't have know. the facts here. He probably here, just know? didn't know the Well, I read that this took protocol. place in Europe. Oh. Well, and so, and so, for that you know. reason, he can be placed on the not football injury list or... It, the, the Raiders, if they wanted to, could seek some money back because this is a non-football injury. It happened in Europe not playing football. But he already practiced, right? So, so I mean, he, he went out there. It It's frustrating, and we'll talk – maybe we'll talk A.B. and Hard Knocks, but you could see how frustrating it is. And it kind of makes sense because when he showed the – maybe he wanted this to get out there because when he showed it, he showed the pictures of his feet on Instagram. Many people's reactions were like, those aren't blisters. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't know, I don't know what is happening there, but like, right. that's not a. Those and now makes sense. Like, yeah, you can see a guy who is famous essentially for his practice regimen is being, you know, not able to to do it because that of this. was it's like, a real thing, and they don't seem to know he, that he's out in de- like he's out indefinitely. I they don't know. What I would say, at. where are we now? So we're today's Wednesday. You say I'll take your word for it. August 7th. I mean, if if by the time we get to next week and he's still not practicing, then it's time to get legitimately nervous. So that's why you kind of hesitate. You want to, you don't want to make too much light of it and have too much fun with it, but at the same time, it's pretty funny. I mean, I mean, it's it's like a guy that was trapped on Mount Everest for 3 months who was saved and rescued. That's what his feet would look like. And and it, the pictures make a lot more sense, but frostbite essentially destroys nerve endings and can lead to amputation in in the most severe cases. Right. Like so like it's serious and it's a story, but you're right, Dan. There would be something, you know, funny if like someone missed week four because of gangrene, you know, what I mean? right. which is basically what's ha- happening it's, here. It's a serious sort of a World War One injury. Right. It's a, what is happening? <laughs> and yeah, it's but, like a foxhole injury. And there were two. I, I was a little confused with how it was presented on Hard Knocks, but they at one point they show him working out with his personal trainer, and he is moving around gingerly. Uh, and I, I wrote on NFL.com, it was kind of like a 48-year-old dad at like a flag football where he's all gimpy and trying trying to sprint, but you can tell his body is just not going along with him. Uh, maybe certain members of our softball team look say, this way. That's how I feel running the bases. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you sh- you saw him in camp uh, for a practice, and I suppose, I think he practiced around he practiced July 30th. He practiced for 30 minutes. Yes. And he was lighting everyone up. He looked like up. Antonio Brown. He, he looked good. He was amazing. And that's what everyone who watched the practice said was he torched everyone in front of him. But he also lasted 30 minutes, and then he had to stop. So he was probably playing through pain. What a, what a mess. Hopefully it gets worked out soon, but uh, I can understand why John Gruden's pissed. I mean, come on. This is Antonio Just Brown. Just a bit. Much like, you know, the front office that invested millions of dollars. Uh, all right. In other injury treatment news, Bobby Wagner, he just got a three-year, $54 million extension from the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. Well, he's out indefinitely following platelet-rich plasma injection. Uh, Pete Carroll, the Seahawks coach, didn't really delve into it with the public, just saying that there was a, quote, little procedure done on Wagner's lower body. Um, the News Tribune reported that Wagner should be ready for week one. 
But this is not exactly the type of thing, Wes, that you, you like to hear. He's a 29-year-old linebacker, a superstar. You just gave him all the money in the world, and he's getting these injections. Usually not a good thing. But I know in the modern medicine realm of professional sports, maybe this is just routine maintenance at this point. Uh, it's beyond my reach. Uh, but still, you'd rather not hear about this. You'd rather not be reading about Bobby Wagner getting uh, platelet-rich plasma injections in his ailing knee. Well, especially in relation to the Seahawks roster where the first-round pick, L.J. Collier, has a rare ankle sprain, and now they're saying it may not be as bad as they first thought. Um, K.J. Wright coming off his worst season in which he was plagued by knee injuries throughout. Jerron Reed suspended six games. Frank Clark gone. Uh, Bradley McDougal, the best player in their secondary, coming off knee surgery this offseason. Deontay hasn't practiced. It's There's a lot of question marks for the Seahawks, and I think if, if you want to look on the bright side as far as Wagner goes, D. Ford from the 49ers, I believe, just had a similar procedure, and they only have him being out two weeks. So I'm sure every player is different and every case is different, but this doesn't sound like something that will haunt him going into the regular season. They also said he's had it before. So hmm. I like it when we have a new – procedures just added to the mix and we're expected to just know what that means because suddenly <laughs> right. pla- platelet rich <laughs> plasma surgery or injection is everywhere like everyone's right. just getting the plate but like like we have any idea what that is. i would that like, that, spin the blood let's put that, that into to antonio to brown's feet why, yeah. why, why, let's put those in those frostbitten feet see how that helps <laughs> but now it's like going to the dentist it's just like oh yeah i'm getting a prp yeah, maybe i'll be fine <laughs> I re- yeah what you said earlier we don't know i don't know maybe it's nothing maybe it's everything I don't know. I'd be a little concerned, if, especially in the D Ford case, just because he's had so many knee injuries. We uh, need like a medical attache that we can just reach out to quickly on the phone for these types of things. Our we own need Dr. Our guy. David Chow. We need a Chow. We need a Chow. It's like a Chow down. Can't Uh-oh, be Chow down. Get him on the phone. It's got to be an auxiliary individual to Chow. Chow's but it has to be. He has to have the last name Chow because there's just so much to go with there. I think you can find a few Chows. <laughs> a mailman story. Yeah, the Wednesday night Chow down with David Chow. Get him on the horn. What was that was? When I deliver well, mail, David in Kentucky, seems available. In, I mean, we could call him. <laughs> 96, 97, every person in Kentucky, northern Kentucky, had a dog that was a chow. They all had the same chow, and they were all named Bear, every single one of them. <laughs> why, why, Wait, why? I don't know. That was like the dog of choice for this area of the country, and they were all named Bear. Chow's a smaller. They're, they're named canine. Bear because they're, they kind of like have that fur all around their heads and stuff and hunched shoulders. That's a Kentucky-type dog? That sort of surprises me that that would be the dog you'd find well, in Kentucky. I'm not house. talking about like – the bluegrass part where you might find hound dogs. Okay. This is closer to the city, like closer to Cincinnati. Very, like the she-she Kentucky elite. I would call them ghettos. Hmm, okay. I'm more confused. <laughs> <laughs> more injury news. This out of Cowboys camp. Jane Slater reports defensive end Robert Quinn fractured his hand during a prox- practice in Oxnard uh, and is Oxnard? Yes. Oxnard. I like Oxnard. Oxnard. <laughs> I'm sure there's some locals that do that. Like a nerdy ox. El Segundo, El Segundo type vibe. Yeah. Anyway, broke his hand in Oxnard, California, (laughs) heading back to Dallas to have surgery. Another 29-year-old that is a a key role and a key uh, member of this defense. They expect him to be ready for week one against the Giants. Uh, That from Stephen Jones, the team's executive vice president. Uh, But, Greg, again – there used to be this line that used to drive Yankees fans crazy. Joe Girardi, their longtime manager. Anytime you asked him a question that was something negative about the team, he would always start the answer the same way. Well, it's not what you want. 
Well, in this case, <laughs> it's not what you want. And it drove everybody crazy. No, and another thing everyone says at this time of year that drives me a little crazy is they're, they're all expected to be ready week one. Newsflash, they're not all going to be ready. They're not all going to be ready to play a full complement of snaps. Robert Quinn's been injured a lot over the years. Here, here are the key Cowboys who may not practice for the entire month of August. Demarcus Lawrence coming off surgery. Robert Quinn coming off surgery. No one has any idea when Tyrone Crawford, who is also starting on their defensive line. So that's three of the four. Byron Jones, by far uh, their best cornerback a year ago, coming off surgery. Ezekiel Elliott, we don't know where he is. Like, that's a lot of key starting players on the Cowboys. It might be... Uh, to the Giants' favor, playing them in week one. I don't know if they're really going to be oh, ready for that. It would be so that. great if Eli lit up Wes's Cowboys in week one. <laughs> oh, chaos. what a party that would be. It's just like the little too many. It's too many players. With what receivers? I don't know. Just yeah. Eli running for maybe 70, 80 yards. <laughs> I'm just saying if I'm a Giants fan, that's the Negative. week. If you're going to have to play in Dallas, that might be the week to do it. I'm, I would think that the Cowboys look at it the same way. Thank God we got the Giants week one with all these injuries. That's, That's fair. fair. And one Wes thing is not moving off that. that, that <laughs> it's stance. the Giants. Can, um, can someone in America stop acting like the Giants are a, a good joke, team Wes. for the first time? It was just a joke. It was just a joke. They're always bad, and everyone thinks they're going to be good. Um, are you going to make me root for the Giants week one just, just to go against They're you? becoming likable. On the, one of my rules that I never want to see happen, I don't want anybody on my offensive line or my defensive line to have the club. And Quinn's going to get the club. He's going to have the big yeah. old club. So, I, And you're going to hear Collinsworth explain, well, you know, he's been working with the club a lot, and it does limit him in some ways, <laughs> but he's doing his best. And it's just like, no, get him out of the club. <laughs> uh, in other Cowboys news, they're still trying to get contracts done with a variety of big-name stars. Greg named some of them. NFL Network's Jane Slater once again. She's nailing that beat. They're keeping her busy. Friend of the pod. Reported Tuesday that the Cowboys have, quote, generous offers on the table for quarterback Dak Prescott, wide receiver Amari Cooper, and running back Ezekiel Elliott. That would put each one in the top five at their position. What do they have, like, quadruple the cap space of any team in the league? Just make everyone a top five star and pay? Anyway, Slater adds that the Cowboys are ready and willing to get deals done, but if both sides can't agree on numbers that make more sense, they're prepared to play the season with each player on a prove-it deal. And uh, finally, Wes, over the weekend, um, Jerry Jones confidently said, quote, it'll happen when asked about the trio's contract situations, noting that the Cowboys are in too good a place not to resolve the situations. Well, generous is in the eye of the beholder, right? If they were generous enough, they'd be signed on the dotted line by now. So, obviously, the players didn't think they were that generous. And and I think when the Cowboys – this is unique. Dak Prescott probably wants to be paid more than a smart team would pay Dak Prescott. Ooh. Zeke Elliott has, what, two more years on his contract? And that, that one's especially unique, yeah. And Amari Cooper, I mean, he, he thinks he's arguing from a position of strength because he saved the Cowboys season last year, but he's not – a top 20 wide receiver. I was Whoa. Gonna, it, well, it, by production. I think, the potential. By production. Uh, I think Dak and Cooper, I mean, look, they're at practice. They don't seem that, Cooper especially doesn't seem worried about it all. And I think if I, I could, I would, well, I can't put money on it. We work for the No, other. no, no, you, no. You're not allowed to. I would, pre- I'm going to predict Dak Prescott has a contract before week one. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, and if I had to, I would predict Cooper has one, you know, before week ten. You know that he has one. Zeke seems like the one that I don't. Who knows? I how mean, that's you look work. at these three guys. The way Jane reported it, 
that the generous offers would put each one in the top five at their positions. We don't really know what that means. It's too vague to dig in, but let's just say... It's not a surprise because you have to pay them that much to get right. anyone to sign these days. Everyone I gets I got you, but like, if it truly is, when you factor in the guaranteed money, and that's the most important thing, a top five, I would say if you're Amari Cooper or Dak Prescott, you take that money. Those guys, you know, that's good money for guys that... I, I'm kind of on West's side with where Cooper is as a player. Prescott is on the right side of the Dalton scale, and I, I don't know if he's Barely. ever going to go too much further than that. Uh, maybe he gets better as he ages. Zeke is a top three, top two, maybe the best running back. He's the guy that's different than those two guys. I, I mean, I do feel like at this, you know, for the amount of time we have to spend covering every nook and cranny of the league, that the only thing that could possibly be no, more annoying than one touchy contract situation in Dallas is three contract situations. <laughs> I mean, I would just simply like some of these to get resolved to take them off our plate. But Jones also said that I'm sure this I'm is going to get resolved because it's good for everyone. It's good for them. It's good. And I agree with that. The Zeke one is, I think, different. But the other two is going to happen. Let's roll through a holdout conversation. Jadavian Clowney of the Houston Texans. He's been staying away from uh, camp uh, as he, you know, he wants to get that big contract. He hasn't gotten it. The Texans placed the franchise tag on Clowney this offseason. Um he expects to report this from Rap Sheet that he will report after the team's third preseason game against the Cowboys on August 24th, which, of course, is also the last game, unless you're Bill Belichick, that you play your starters typically. Um, so Clowney sitting out training camp, sitting out preseason, assumedly taking care of himself and will be ready to roll week one. Nobody panic in Houston. Be ha- have a contract year? I mean, if he has a huge year and finishes it off the way he did last year, really the last couple of years. He tends to close very strong. I mean, he is going to get an incredible amount of money. He is ranked fourth in my top 25 2019 free agents list coming out Thursday. They said it was too early <laughs> to do it. it August. It's, it doesn't matter. I'm putting it out anyway. what? I mean, other sports you talk it's about free agency though. like a year in advance. Why Get not just, ahead of it. Hey, here are the guys that you're going to kind of be like uh, watching. Chris Jones is in there. Uh, you know, Dak for now. Think about Phillip it. Philip Rivers. When you think about the football cognoscenti. Cooper. As we know it. Everyone has their writer, reporter who handles certain types of articles. Okay, so let's say ESPN has Bill Barnwell. Um, I think he'll be agitated at this. CBS has so-and-so. <laughs> NBC has so-and-so. He loves it. NFL.com, Greg's our guy. So Greg is in competition with all those other dudes. <laughs> so if you get it out, if you don't get it Did out you first, you get it out last. Beat oh, him to knows. the punch. That's what I mean. I think Barnwell will be annoyed. Beat him to the punch. I mean, he, we're giving him this, this information now. This is the first time I've ever done listens, it in August. But but Barnwell's like- going to see it and go, that's snake. I should have done no. that. He's going to say you're in competition with MDS. Did you know that? It's <laughs> it's more that I've known like other sports. They're talking free agency all year round in the NBA. We, we should, I know it's not as good in the NFL, but uh, Greg, we you're cunning. We know that. By the way, I what trying to do your job well does not mean cunning. Cunning's a compliment. <laughs> not. <laughs> not really. I, I asked uh, I asked your boy up. move the sticks. It is not yeah. to rank because I was seeing if he would agree with me. Chris Jones, Clowney, and Lenny Williams. One, two, three. <laughs> and what do you think he would do? Wait, say it again. Chris Jones, just Clowney, Clowney, and Leonard Williams. What does cunning mean? Uh, cunning? No, you guys are right. It's having it's or showing terrible. skill. 
in achieving one's ends by deceit or evasion. Yeah. It just makes you think of like a villain, basically. It's like Machiavelli. Yeah. I thought, see, Machiavellian I knew was a negative thing. I, th- yeah. I thought cunning was just more like sharp of mind and kind of a step ahead of the game. Or it's just creating some content that people want. Why not? <laughs> it's, Picture the bad I would like that as a reader. Uh, I'm into IT this videos. dorky stuff. What's that? The bad guys on our IT videos. See, I, those are <laughs> Machiavellian yeah. figures. Yes. Um, anyway, check that out, that piece by Greg. Oh, what were you saying? The three it doesn't guys. matter. Okay. Uh, Leonard Williams, Chris Jones, and Jadevian Clowney. What about them? Three big boys. Those are the three guys rank, he has moved yes. Oh, I put. I had I had DJ rank him. I was curious. What, what was what his did he rank? Say? He went in that order: Jones, Clowney, Lenny. Yeah, Lenny's an interesting guy. He is. I think. By the way, I think Clowney is in kind of a similar boat to Joey Flacco years ago, where the Ravens probably could have gotten a deal done, would have been expensive but not exorbitant. And they decided to wait it out. They got banged. I wonder what happens with Houston here. Well, what would have Nick? What would Nick Casario have done here? Nick Casario? Yeah. I mean, I think he might have. He might have sealed this thing up if they had gotten the right GM mm. in there. You know, mm. sometime. I think Clowney will be playing elsewhere next year. Of those, they have guys. a GM. Right. They have a head coach playing GM. Hey, he's the general. He's manager. trying to do the Belichick thing. They've we'll got see a if that pastor works. as their GM. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Finally, in the news, Mark, your boys, the Browns. Ain't no leagues to be found here. It's a new era in Brownies football. Uh, a little saga that broke out on Monday during the Browns press conference with Freddie Kitchens. First of all, Bob Wiley, who we all remember from Hard Knocks, the erstwhile offensive line coach, big old belly, big old mustache, drove a Lamborghini, wild situation. Um, he kind of he kind of came went on the radio and got after the Browns a little bit. Obviously, he's he's upset that he was let go and he found out that he was fired. He said when he was in the hospital after some surgeries to his lower body um, and maybe some platelet-rich plasma injections. I don't know. Uh, But um, Wiley basically goes out and says, Freddie Kitchens is the coach? Come on. He only got that job because he's Mayfield's boy. And that led to Freddie Kitchens addressing it, saying, you know, Bob knows what Bob knows about how why he's not here anymore and that. But I also, while I'm here, I would like to make some statements about the ship here in Cleveland in 2019. You know, the days of inside information and the days of, of uh, unnamed sources and stuff like that have ended. So you're not going to get any information like that ever, anybody. And if I ever see it, they're fired immediately. That's the way we're running this organization. And I can take it. John Dorsey can take it. We won't crack, I promise you. Why do, how do you think he got there from – did you think the reason he chose not to bring Wiley back is because he thought he was a rat? Well, he, he made one good point. <laughs> All rats off the ship. Well, he's a huge, huge Jackson guy, Wiley. Right, and Wiley, like, had, I guess, had gone on and on about the fact that he wanted to retire, and he wasn't actually under contract with the Browns. So it was like, is that the guy you want to bring back as your dude? I mean, I, I think there's that. It's like there was some bitterness. I thought it was interesting that he named Ken Zampezi as the architect behind the late season – Offense, not Freddie Kitchens. It seemed a little bitter. But, you know, I don't know. Kitchens hasn't been in Cleveland for <clears throat> a long time. But there has been a 10-plus year, much more actually, 20-year history of really damaging leaks in that building coming from multiple regimes. It seemed like no matter what happened, regime after regime was taken out by and really was ugly leaks. Beyond even those he took it to the, right. I yes. think He was leaking stuff. We all know that. But to me, I, I love this. The thing is, it's here's maybe the problem. You say, maybe so. If you say you're going to fire someone, 
something's going to come up, and then at what, that point, you're you know you you you're going to have to put a man on the case. We might get Frank Signetti on the Browns payroll. <laughs> to go. You're going to have to handle some of these cases if this if someone leaks something. By the way, but if we ever see it, they're fired immediately. What if? Baker gets frustrated and says something to your girl Mary Kay Cabot. There are there are levels of you know who said what. So the the most the most I think Freddie was understandably just annoyed at this guy because he took some pretty direct shots and the the most I think direct was that Dorsey wanted Freddie Kitchens because he wanted a head coach he could control. That was basically what he said. That Dorsey did not want a guy that he had to go head to head with like he did in, with Andy Reid in Kansas City and lose out on. Uh, and he kind of has that in Freddie Kitchens. But that doesn't, I don't necessarily think that's a, that bad of a thing. I, but if I was Freddie Kitchens, that annoys you. Of course you're going to be annoyed by that. The way the rhetoric from Bob Wiley as if that was the <laughs> only reason that you wouldn't hire Greg Williams because you wanted to control <laughs> your head. Greg Williams comes for, with many reasons not to hire. Him. That's true. I don't. Uh, Freddie doesn't strike me as a guy like a puppet that you could pull the strings on too easily. Right. That's true. I don't, I don't think so, no. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Four men on a search. Each man different. Living his own way. Searching. Discovering numero uno. The new thing in colognes for men. In all the world, there are only four basic masculine scents. Here's the best of each. Numero uno gold. Numero uno green. Numero uno red. Numero uno silver. Four numero uno colognes. All different. All wild. Find yours with a searcher kit. A jigger of each scent. Then get a full-size bottle of the one that makes it for you. Numero uno. All right, let's get to it. Hard Knocks is back. The acclaimed, venerable, cunning <laughs> HBO docuseries. Okay. <laughs> Return for a four-team season on Tuesday. The subject, of course, the Oakland Raiders. And, um, yes, for the eighth year, the Zeus are writing up Episode recaps on NFL.com. Where have the years gone? And getting better, I might add. They are. They have oh, gotten you, markedly Chris. better and better Market. organized. <laughs> uh, not that <laughs> well, it I needed to. A, they, but the writing itself has gotten – like, you're bringing it up a level. You have a historical grasp of the subject, some historical that helps. knowledge. Yeah, it that, does. Yeah. So It kind of pours out of you when you track the show this close over the years. Um, and – this was always, once it was announced, once it was rumored, it was always going to be about John Gruden. And there were other players, and we'll get to it, that jumped out and coaches perhaps. Uh, but the episode opens. The first thing you hear from is John Gruden on the field. And um, and that was kind of, I think, what the, the table setting was in episode one, that this is, the, this is what the John Gruden experience is in Oakland. Let's hear a little bit from the second-year coach. And there was a saying around here, once a Raider, always a Raider. We are going to be physical. Most importantly, we're going to be smart and we're going to be relentless. You can lead the league in effort because it takes no talent. It's just a decision that you make. We have a chance to be one hell of a big story this year, man, if we put our heart and soul into this football team. We want to win and we want to win now. Knock on wood if you're with me, okay? We should start doing that, by the way. 
whenever we're having, if we're having a show meeting and like so we're all in agreement on that go and we all knock the table together all in that feels like a good move um so Wes I'll start here with this episode I, first of all I don't think for the the hype building up I don't think it was one of the all-time hard knocks episodes I thought the premiere last year for instance mm. with the Browns was uh, much more interesting I don't think this was a dud by any stretch but I think that the um, that you want to come out of each episode. Like last year, it was a home run because you had all that palace intrigue involving Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens, who people forget was also in that uh, argument about guys sitting out practice. And that was such catnip for HBO films and, of course, the audience. Nothing quite that good in this premiere. But I, I did get me thinking as I'm watching it how John Gruden, even though he did the cliche trope thing as, as the head coach leading up to the show's premiere – where he said, oh, we don't, you know, I don't need to be on hard knocks. John Gruden, this is a good uh, good platform for a guy who, and this the, this room right here is a good microcosm of that um, because, Scott, I know, Mark, you've been outspoken on this, but you're far from alone. The idea that why should you believe in John Gruden as a head coach in 2019? And, and he is in the midst of a teardown and rebuild, and it's going to take years to show whether or not He's somebody who should have your respect as a head coach in the modern NFL landscape. But for now, a show like this can show what John Gruden really does behind the scenes. And I think, to me, the first episode, he came off well. He didn't come off as a relic to me. Um, so that that was a, one takeaway to me, that he seemed like he was control of the ship. He didn't feel like an ancient guy trying to push his old teachings onto a new generation. But it is important to know, Wes, and remember how long it's been since Gruden was relevant as a coach. 2007 was the last t- time he took a team to the playoffs, which is forever ago in any m- measure, but especially in the NFL. What were your takeaways on Gruden in episode one? I think as far as Gruden goes, I think what you say is, is true. Maybe to most people he came off well. I think I've reached my saturation point with John Gruden, and to me he always <laughs> comes off as a relentless hype man, salesman, carnival barker. I just don't <laughs> believe anything he says. Hmm. Well, he's he's great at a party. Like that's what I th- you know, they had that little get together at the end where what was it? Season ticket holders or I think it was ex-players, ex-players. It was Once a lot. Raider, always and Raider. I was just thinking like God, John Gruden would be a great guy to have a party. I think it'd be a great guy to have on your Monday night football he's team a rock that and you tour. like work with him. Like he's just great at smoothing and dealing with people. And he is a little bit of a salesman too. And so a little w- bit. whether that helps yeah, he, he's absolutely – I think all coaches have to be salesman. Right, whether that helps that. as a head coach, I don't know. Like, you know, the, the speeches and the knocking and the always a Raider, it's like, you know, you can see if you're a veteran that's been there for a while. That stuff's only going to work for so long. Like, I'd love to have an analytics, you know, uh, study how much speeches help. Like, are speeches going away in post-analytics uh, world? Because my analytics say you can make no speeches and it probably wouldn't make any difference. I, that said, because I already came in with – Fearing this, but I enjoyed him. By the way, I love watching. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I came in fearing this this edition of Hard Knocks for a couple of reasons, and I would say I would have put Gruden and Antonio Brown at the top of the list, and I put them both in my winners column personally because the way they directed the episode, which wasn't a total banger, but I thought it would it, they 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 shied away from total tropes and some of the stuff that I saw with the Rams season that with eight minutes in, I was done with that one. I thought they did a, they understated some things and Gruden to me, I I think I agree with you, Wes, that all that stuff I feel too, but I kind of came away liking him and thought that he did himself a service and the Raiders overall 
I mean, I thought when we see Mark Davis, who knows what's going to happen there. Everyone kind <laughs> no of was less, was a little bit less annoying to me and more watchable than I thought they would be. Um, Ricky, what are your thoughts about speeches and hype speeches? I think they're really important. And Greg, that was a really dumb comment. Wow. She analytics. That's the, your speech. I, I am client, so I wanted to give her the platform. Here. I just feel like your like analytics show that speeches don't make a difference. Like yeah, when that was, you're that was when, a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just mean like all these shows, there's speeches no, all day, every day, and it seems like for grown men that are back professionals. Down, well, like, well, Bill on. Belichick agrees with me. Like he doesn't make any Bill speeches. Bill Belichick does Bill make Belichick speeches. speeches. He, yes, he does. He does, but you pick and choose. Like, but oh, immediately, that, you're uh, still dealing with here, he, emotional human yes. beings too. Here, here's the parade that's uh, they're organizing already ahead of their Super Bowl win. I mean, it's the same stuff. It is. Bill does it too. I just mean like the the amount of it in the NFL. I think is pro- is a little much. But you have to to get a, to get people together to get them believing. I think it it's really important. But I think that's the difference. Is these are NFL players. This isn't college. Like these are the, young kids. These though. guys are as motivated and as professional for the most part. The ones that succeed as John Gruden. Like, He's got a young roster, and you could yep. tell that there are a lot of kids. Obviously, the three first round picks. Um, and they, I don't know, you you can't tell just from watching a, a reality no. show, but it did seem like they he had, you know, and I hope he head coach would, but their his full attention, their full attention was on Gruden. They seem they seem to be buying in. And one thing I like you were talking about, Mark, about how once you watch season after season of Hard Knocks, you sometimes you see kind of a Hard Knocks trope coming, and that's why I did like the scene uh, because I don't track some of these bottom of the roster guys, even if a PFT does a news item on it. I'll typically miss it. So I didn't know anything about Ronald Ollie. I didn't even watch Last Chance U, so I was not plugged in on this at all. But Ronald Ollie was a undrafted free agent who appeared on Last Chance U, which is that Netflix show, Greg, that I know you're a big fan of. Um, and when he shows up in the beginning of this episode, you're thinking to yourself, uh, if you're not tracking the Raiders day-to-day, oh, this is obviously a five-episode arc about Ollie who – who survived community college football. Now he's going to make it all the way to the end of cuts. Well, no, he kind of shows himself to be a little lethargic or not quite all the way in. He pulls himself out of a practice, misses a a training, um, training session. And Gruden says, get out of here. And just like that, as a hard knocks fan, that was a little jarring. It's like when Samuel Jackson got eaten by the shark in uh, deep blue sea, (laughs) you know, you know, that scene, obviously, um, or when Steven no, Seagal that Seagal died I, I saw it in the theater while, while driving yes. cross country. No Certain lie. shocking movie deaths. That was kind of a shocking hard knocks death. So I, I did kind of like that, although I feel bad for the young man from it, Mississippi if, State. There's a lot of like, you know, this is the NFL. This is how the I mean, if that wasn't an NFL moment, I, I don't know what is. Like, it's incredible kind of how sad it is, how long his journey was. This is a guy who watched his that his parents were murdered when they were – both of them were murdered when he was five years old and he had his issues in terms of like working hard and good, but a very like really likable guy that, you know, beat the odds as first person in his family to ever go to any college, Mm. much less, you know, community college. And then he gets through that barely, but he kind of excels. And then he goes to like a low D one school and does well enough to get this one chance and it's like over like that. And it's a, a reminder, I think, the biggest difference, I think, between the NFL and those low D1s is like practice, you know? Like practice is so professional. I think if you're coming from, I forget where he played. Nickel State. Nickel State. Yeah. It's like 
Was... You better be ready to to practice like a professional immediately, or that's it. Like that might like that whole process of, of he had literally hundreds of people helping him along the way to get to that one point, and it might be over. At just the bottom like that. of the NFL roster, it's so the it's such a uh, thin razor thin line margin of error. You could tell the way it was being presented that he wasn't quite all the way there mentally, and that's it. You're done once you're in that place. And you're not realizing there is no – you could pull yourself out of a practice with a sore Achilles, but you cannot – if you're on the edge of a roster, then miss a training session. You're just asking to be sent home, and that's what happened. This scene and some of the scenes from All or Nothing take me back to – remember when we had Kara Sneed on and she had that iceberg example, 90% of the stuff happens beneath the surface? Mm-hmm. We watch on Twitter and we watch games and we see the stats and we see the play, but we don't get to see the personalities that much or what's behind the scenes – and when you watch some of this stuff on the reality TV, you see how some players might get a reputation for being a little bit softer than other players, why some players get cut, why some players aren't playing as much, because maybe they don't try as hard in practice as other players do, and that gets them in the doghouse. For and a while. there was a great comment inside the show by one assistant to another saying how tough it is to coach players that aren't driven the way that Greg mentioned, that, that it's just Brent, a pain in the butt. Brenton Buckner, for the people that nice got, start. got into uh, NFL Network in the early days, was one of the most <laughs> enjoyable parts of the NFL Network. He was like a player's correspondent and then sort of was an analyst. And like the, the network's a lot more serious, takes itself a little more seriously than it did probably. Just in a bit. They just let Brenton Buckner kind of have the lay of the land in 2006, and he was, he was awesome. You know how <laughs> Sam Farmer just got into the Hall of Fame journalism wing for his coverage of yeah, Los Angeles and the scene. Sam. Yeah, that's a big achievement uh, by Mr. Farmer. That's that's your ticket to Canton in terms of your knowledge of <laughs> NFL network history, especially the early days, the wild, wild west days, which no one is as plugged in as you are, Greg. I mean, you reference it many times on the show. <laughs> Like, you know NFL Network better than anyone else. Well, I watched it. The most I ever watched it was the first four years it was on because I'm just stuck in a, in a you know, apartment in New York City. A debtor's prison. Watch, covering that Roto World all day and hoping they have some news on for me. A uh, couple other thoughts. We hit on Antonio Brown. He was obviously a, a big part of Can the Can I say one episode. quick thing? Yes, I was ahead. so fearing the hot air balloon scene. I thought, that's the kind of thing <laughs> I can't stand. I thought that the way that they shot it, I want to get on a hot air balloon. I don't want to be Dante Stallworth and crash into a telephone pole in Miami. But oh my God. like I thought that the way they shot it, like subverted what I thought it would look like. It was he was less annoying. The whole thing was just relaxing. You know, for my some thought reason. was like Antonio. I hope they don't have a random test when he gets off the pl- off the balloon out of the basket. Have one of those tests. Troubling. <laughs> well, he made. He seemed to be very relaxed. He, very relaxed. I noticed that his comment about the basketballs, <laughs> they all fall out, right? Yeah. That that's not getting as much traction as Jared Goff's sunrise sunset thing. Or Ryan no, Tannehill's who's in the AFC East. As it, how long would it take to put two hundred seventy-five thousand basketballs in a balloon anyway? Ab. Um, Jonathan Abram, one of the first-round picks, the safety. He stood out. He seemed to really like the camera. You could either think that's fun or that could get on your radar. I could see where you are on that, Mark. I just the you, know, you know what? Really I, I get I get enjoying it. Enjoying the I, I think that like if you looked at the reaction too, there was. There were probably two camps. Like he's the breakout star. I don't know if star means likable because I, I I thought that he was, and I'm not trying to be an old idiot about this. I think it was a little disrespectful to Gruden saying you can't cut me, you know, no matter what mm. I do. There was a uh, twinkle in his eye, though. I I get it. I got the I same it. a little just, bit of an uncomfortable about, feeling I thought, there I thought too. He, yeah. he created an awkward situation with Derek Carr at the dinner where. <laughs> 
Like, this guy's taking everyone out. To t- it just rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. And I thought on NFL Network today, Steve Smith felt the same way and called him out about hitting <laughs> people Smith. in a padless practice. And, you know, and Abram turned around, or he, he basically turned around and said, challenge Steve Smith. Like, you'd be scared of me if I did that to you. And it's like Steve Smith was like, no, I wouldn't. Like, I, I mean, at some point... Settle down just a bit. I, he's mm, also enjoyable, one but... The, one of the you know. subplots is, like, how the cameras change things. I mean, someone, a Raiders reporter who's been watching all this says he thinks, he just thinks people are 10 to 15% more on guard or a little different when, when the cameras are around. Oh, like, of course. Like, the cameras kind of change the alchemy of everything. Like, I think of that with the Gruden stuff. Like, all of it. But that's, that's part of it. That's fun. And uh, my final thought was Derek Carr, who's... Friend of the show, future MVP, obviously, um, famously came on the show and unblocked Greg and I from Twitter, uh, has a bit of a reputation as being a sensitive fellow um, and such a nice guy, like one of those guys that's almost like you're almost put off by it. I, I don't know. Maybe that's like the New Yorker in me that I, I'm a little weirded out when someone's too nice. Will does the John Gruden Derek Carr is that a match a personality match? I still I still have my questions. Even Gruden at the end of the episode, he's like telling him to be mean. Tell you know he's like he said like you know we got to get you angry or something. I don't think it's in Derek Carr's nature. That to me remains when you look at for me the Raiders in 2019 and beyond. That marriage just seems like maybe a mismatch personality wise. Doesn't mean he can't succeed Carr going forward and get back to his 2015 ways. But is that a long term marriage? I don't know. I think Derek Carr, there's skepticism surrounding him, not just with the coaches, but with other players. And to me, the scene with AB's kid where he said, where's Roethlisberger? I just wrote down, I hope that's not the theme of the Raiders season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There you go. So check it out. NFL.com slash Hansus every Tuesday. Uh, We'll have uh, recaps up on the site. And by the uh, way, the intro is unbelievable with the with well done the autumn wind. Like where else are you seeing poetry on HBO? Just, you know, read for like a minute, which they also did in the middle of it. It's cool. I kind of like the way I mean, there's very little about any other team or, or any other sport that has the tradition of the Raiders. Like I'm still into the Raiders being the Raiders that yeah. they have the cliff branch Jersey that Mark Davis and Al Davis, like, I don't know. There is something special about the, them. The John I like, Madden moment is I li- awesome. Right. I like yep. that. They really play to that history. There's only a few of those franchises and it's, it's cool to see that. The Facenda remix of the hard knocks theme was, was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, all right. Finally, let's do it. Let's have a little fun. We haven't done this. We usually do this like during the quieter times. Uh, we kind of we held off this year um, when we make those fun old playoff predictions. And what do you do? I, I explained at the top. I'm not doing the math again. I'm not doing it again. I got it right. What are the chances I get it right twice? Not high. So stay out of it. Anyway, I reached out to NFL teams. Research. Okay, <laughs> I reached out to NFL Research before the show, and. Uh, New playoff teams by season, okay, dating back to 2014. Five and 14, four and 15, six and 16, eight and 2017, seven and 2018. So 12 teams make the playoffs. You do the math. It's it's the turnover is over 50% on average. And look at the worst of first. And uh, when you go teams – that finish the previous season in fourth place, they go all the way back to first place. It happens 
every year, and usually multiple times. The Redskins did it in 2015, four and twelve to nine and seven. The Cowboys in sixteen went four and twelve to thirteen and three. The Jags three and thirteen to ten and six in twenty seventeen. The Eagles seven to nine to thirteen and three in the Super Bowl. The Bears last year and the Texans last year both went worse the first. 5 and 11 to 12 and 4, 4 to 12 and 11 and 5, respectively. So there you go. That's going to happen again. History is instructive, as Chris Wessling famously says. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Satanaya might have beat me to the- Um So I say that to set the primer that we're probably going to be right with some of these predictions. So let's give it a whirl. I'll, I'll tell you how I did it, by the way. I looked at the 10 teams from each conference. And I put stars next to three, and then I ranked them one to three, most likely to do it. And then I did the same thing the opposite way in terms of the teams that made it most likely to fall out. Very scientific. Very scientific. And look at the research I did. I went to L.A. researchers, one of, uh, just an amazing crew here at NFL Media. We would not be um, the giant that we are without the research team. Mark, get us going. Let's start with you, and please do not be bashful. You know, don't leave a certain team out that plays in the Midwest just because. Just because. Well, I'm not. I am going to the Midwest, but it's not where you think, (laughs) potentially. (laughs) I have had my suspicions about the Chicago Bears. Yes, you have. I feel like everything last year, it was a great story. I I like the organization, awesome fan base. So let's leave all that by the side of the road. 12-4 and last year in a division where I think the Vikings were still figuring themselves out. A lot went wrong with the Packers last year. It was sort of a meltdown organizationally. They are reborn, Green Bay. And I'm not a huge Green Bay supporter, but wait, if we're going you, to... Sh- no, wait a second. Time out. I don't want to step on No, no, time out. But you're I, not I'm buying into that. I'm coaching the game. I'll call time out. You're not buying that. You've been I, telling us for months you don't buy that. I, here, here's the thing. I don't buy them as automatic <laughs> Super Bowl contenders, but this division to me is totally wide open. I think you've got a, you've got you still have Aaron Rodgers at the peak of his career. I think it, for all this business about can Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur get through their how the pre-snap adjustments work and all this business, don't care. I think they've reloaded on defense. I like the upgrade from hmm. Dom Capers to Mike Pettin. Always have your instincts on the Packers. It should be pointed out have been pretty darn good. I didn't like them at all last year, and I'm not saying I'm signing up signing right. them up. You didn't for like the them at all on Monday's show. We we talked about. That. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying I have to like them, but it, but part them. of it is like I don't think that there's some sort of roving trash bag. There there is talent on but both sides of the ball. It's, it's, it's really it's an more anti-bears. It's a Bears thing. Yeah. I think the Bears a roving last trash yeah, the, the Bears last year. Are these teams where you are getting it's like American Beauty. Just you're getting you're getting wind. turnovers every single week. You're getting key touchdowns off of turnovers. You're winning games with those defensive touchdowns by three or four points. And you're hearing reports of Mitch Trubisky, and I, listen, I wish him well, but that he's already been very inconsistent in an offense that I thought schemed around the quarterback as well as you could possibly ask in the NFL. And you're asking him to make a big big leap if that defense doesn't come in under a new coordinator and double down on what they did last year. I just think the door is open for, and I think we're going to see it right in week one, that there's going to be a little bit of a snake bit feeling to the to the Chicago Bears this year. It's not going to go just like last year. And Green Bay, everything went wrong last year. If even five things that went wrong don't go wrong this year, let's start with Aaron Rodgers playing all every game. Then I I would be I would be absolutely fine with a totally healthy from wire to wire Aaron Rodgers, a rebuilt defense. Um, without Don Capers falling asleep up in the booth, went in key situations. Ouch. And I, an offensive group that I believe in just enough 
to win the division or at least not take that playoff spot away from Chicago. Okay. I, Wait, so me... you're doing the one for one. You're putting so the Packers he's in. He's got the Packers in. The Packers in, the Bears, in out. Bears out. And Capers, you know, you know, rest in peace, uh, was not their coordinator last year. I know he Mike, wasn't, Mike but, but Mike Pettin was not the major <laughs> issue last year I miss. either. <laughs> I missed Monday's show, but um, all right. Let me jump in here and say I'm with you. I was surprised because I knew you weren't a big Packers guy of late. Uh, because I also think the Bears... I am an objective journalist. No offense to the Bears, but all, all the things you just said I agree wow. with. So I had them number one on my list wow. to fall out. And it's not all because I think the Bears are going to collapse, but because that division, it's I think year to year, it's just chaotic. But I had the Vikings as that team that come in and go and get the Bears and kind of take back the North after um, what was a disappointing season. I've talked about it on last week's show. I don't need to go down... That road again, why I think the Vikings will be better, but they're my pick. And I had the the Packers too. So I, I do think we're going to see a shakeup in that NFC North, and it's going to be very difficult uh, for the Bears uh, to repeat what they did last year. Now, Wes, I, you like Trubisky, I think, a little bit more. You, Mitch Trubisky could get better. And well, he not, was just in his second year, right? I am wholly unconcerned about any training camp practice reports about Mitchell Trubisky. That doesn't matter. Right. It just doesn't matter. What I do like is that Matt, there are only, I don't know, less than fewer than 10 coaches in the NFL who are great at getting uh, playmakers the ball in space, and Matt Nagy is one of them. He did it with Tariq Cohen last year. Now he has Cordero Patterson. Yeah, dog. He's got David Montgomery. He's got Mike Davis. He's got a lot more players to get the ball in their hands. I, I think the offense takes a step forward. The defense, they're too talented to, to me to fall apart. Unless there's injuries, but I do expect major regression, as Mark Mark pointed out. I don't expect a 12 and 14. And they were incredibly healthy last year, especially right. on defense. Mac That's- missed about a quarter of the, or at least wasn't Mac for about a quarter of the year. That, but other than that, they were very healthy. Yeah, I think to me the the best argument against the Bears is just I think the NFC has so many good teams that you shake it all up. You just look at 10, 11 teams where four to five of them are going to be left out of the playoffs and their pan, their fans are going to be pissed. Like there's expectations are pretty high for about 11 teams that, that where if they don't make the playoffs, people are going to be mad. And the bears to me are in the toughest division in the toughest conference. Um, Wes, why don't you, why don't you give us um, your pick? Well, there was out of all the playoff teams, there was one team that stuck out like a sore thumb to me as the obvious choice. And it's the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. They, According to Warren Sharp of Sharp Football, they faced only two quarterbacks last year who finished above average in success rate. They played the easiest schedule of quarterbacks in the last four-plus years. They faced nine backups or rookies at quarterback, and they had the NFL's easiest overall schedule. This year, they're projected to have the hardest schedule in the NFL. They're facing Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan. Um, And they're the only one of these playoff teams with two – major glaring weak spots, the offensive line and the secondary. That secondary, a little bit was covered up by the fact that they faced so many bad quarterbacks last year, but they weren't good last year, and I think they got worse this offseason. And those two glaring weak spots they have are the two weak spots that are hardest to fill by rookies. You put an offensive lineman rookie and a cornerback rookie, they're usually going to struggle in their first years. I just see this as a threadbare roster, they have some stars that can elevate the team, and that's how they win games. But I don't see this as a as a playoff team. So who takes their spot? Cleveland Browns. There it is. Somebody had to say it. 
I was hoping Mark would. Chris took I mean, care it, of it. Uh, on my paper, I have something very similar. Oh, you do. You have exactly that. It's just that I, it feels so obvious for me to go there. And I, I'm a little – I'm trying to but you simmer down on the – Enjoy the, the moment. Well, there's you know? already this Browns exhaustion that I feel nationally, which is tedious to me. So I'm trying to – you know, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon as some sort of zealot. <laughs> is that how it's pronounced? Zealot, right? Zealot. I pronounce it zealot. Everyone else pronounces words completely differently on the show. So. Oxnerd. Um, also, Matt Khalil, I can't believe that a – He's their left tackle. I can't believe that a Super Bowl hopeful is what you, Texans think they are is entering the season with him as their starting uh, By the way, I don't know who the GM is. I guess it's Bill O'Brien. Go call the Redskins. Yeah. It is Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Trent yeah. Williams. I mean, not officially, but yeah, it is. It is. Trent Williams is there to be had, and if you fancy forty million dollars in cap room and Clowney's out there unsigned, and go get Trent. I use that cap room. Use the cap room. Cap room. Give up. I don't know. Was it going to cost you a second round pick? Maybe a third. Maybe a third and a fourth or something. Do it because you can't leave Watson. This guy has gotten absolutely destroyed. Uh, especially last year. He, like, set records in the beating Most that he took. Most sex taken since 2006. And, and the hits were off the charts, too. Yes. And here's another weak spot. If you take out Deshaun Watson's runs, the Texans would have finished dead last in rushing DVOA wow. per football outsiders. And they're, wow. they're one injury away in the backfield of having literally nothing. And yet, if you're a Texans fan, I agree with you, by the way. They would have been very close to the top of my list of the teams that – fall off. But if you're a Texans fan, you can make an argument. Like the receiver group if, if Kiki Kute and I love uh, Kiki Kute. Right, and um, Will, Will Fuller. Fuller is healthy. Like that's the best receiver group they've ever had. You have Watson. You have Watt fully healthy uh, coming into a season. Clowny and you a, know, I want to be a billionaire like there's, mode. There's recipes there. And it was last but season. But I still agree with you because that division another division where I think there's no easy games in that division. And you could see them going two and four. But we were, we were killing Houston's floor last last off season two, and it's not the same. It's it's gotten worse in some areas, but that was the concern. They could they could be a playoff team, or they could be four and twelve. Hmm. They were twelve and four last year. They were eleven, 11 and, and five. Eleven yeah. and five. Um, eleven and six. I'm, if you all, you guys make good points, by the way. I but I'm you know every, every once in a while on the show you got to just go sit on a mountain, get your sword and shield out, and just fight up there. So I'm just going to stay on Texans Mountain, and you guys are going to keep been coming te- up. You've been the Texans guy. You, interesting stance from you. You got, like, the catapult thing with the rock on it. Like, you guys you got you know the what? arrows been, with the fire. You've been right more than not. Bill O'Brien's had a winning season a in, in the playoffs every year that his quarterback didn't get hurt. Bill this better. also That's stems from a metaphor. This also hasn't stems, been a great team, but they made the playoffs. This stems from a Dan, I believe it was an article or, that you wrote, where the Houston Talk Radio was tracking you down because you destroyed the Texans, <laughs> and, like, they were the whole city was after you. So it was you, many you years ago. So you know the way that Bill Bri- <laughs> O'Brien found? Be in the worst division in football. That's the way See, this is what it. I'm talking about. You don't play, I mean, Bill doesn't get any play love. Blake Bortles Bill, twice Bill doesn't get any love because he's not that great of a coach. Mm. Wait a second. He beat out your Colts for the division title last year. And then got smoked they got by my Colts in the playoffs. Play. I'm just saying, though. <laughs> that I, game was 16 rough. games. They were the better team. It was a tough game. No, I don't think so. All right. I'll throw another one out there. By the way, one thing I, I, I was looking at football um, outsiders – Yes. Or the Almanac. Look at you. And, yeah, see, preparation for a show. Everybody should look into it. You know, they're not as bullish on the Browns. I was surprised. They they see them and their projections, Greg and I were talking about, they have them. Uh, usually they're a little modest. With uh, they're not gonna, You're not going to see a lot of projected for 13.2 wins, but they have them as an eight-win team. And they cited, yes, the offensive line, which you've talked about a lot, Mark, but also that the defense specifically, they were takeaway machines last year. And if the one thing in all these, and Bill Barnwell wrote a piece on ESPN that was in a similar realm to what we're talking about right now, teams that will regress and get better. 
two things that don't carry over is turnover rate. That very rarely can you do the same thing two years in a row if you did it really well. And um, record in um, close games. Right. So the teams and the Cowboys he picked as a regression team uh, because I believe they were eight and two, two in those such games. Those things tend to balance out cosmically. And the Browns, for those reasons, they saw as a 5 I, I totally agree. Can I make one quick counter to that? They, Please. They look at games where I think they had like six turnovers in week the week one tie with the Steelers where those turnovers didn't generate or turn into wins. And Hugh Jackson, before he was fired, lost so many close games. I mean, they lost games they should have won. They lost games because of their kicker. So it's not like they're one of those teams that – out of their seven wins, they all came in these fluky last-second uh, pick-six type scenarios. So I, I, the eight wins is not crazy. You can also compensate for some of that regression by adding talent, such as Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Greedy Williams. Like that's, the other, that's a way they just, to they added no, Their offensive line, left tackle, right guard, right tackle, is highly suspect. Yes. The, right. I, there was an article last week in the Cleveland Plain Dealer is it time to start worrying about Greg Robinson? I was like, if you're asking the question, it's too late. Why did you go into the season with him as your start only worrying option? about him? I mean, I've been worrying about. Yeah. Him. I think we all have. Well, they you have know, for years. They have the Houston Texans left tackle from last year as their backup. And then the other statistic, the data that they say, Greg, this kind of flies in the face of your Geno Smith, week 16 and 17, 2014. Hill that you've been dying really on for four, all these years. It was a four-game run. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's been but dying for four years. I've been. I went back and watched the tape. I absolutely <laughs> would will not be betting against Mayfield, but they said that there's no data backing up a strong second half corroborates into a the big game, the game film backs it up um, following season for a team. Yeah. Um, usually the full season sample size is the more trusting data historically. I can still sure. look at the throws he makes and the kind of throws right, he makes right. though. That'll carry over. Hmm. All I'm saying is I think it's important I, with the I, Browns to throw this uh, stuff out there no, and so I it's think not it, just all like, I, Browns to the Super Bowl. Well, hold on. First of all, I can't stand people. I don't feel like I've ever done that. No, I'm if saying anything, that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm trying to counter what's right. annoying you. Those you clowns know. are driving me nuts because, like, how about go – don't start one and five. Their, er, their early schedule is brutal. Mm. Well, I know that as a former Bengals fan. If you're trying to climb out of the cellar and eradicate ghosts, you got to – the next year after you finally show progress, do not go O for October. All right, we're creeping up on right. an hour Greg, here. Greg, give us one more. <laughs> I got I to gotta sneak one in. Yeah, sneak one in and let's get out of here. Because this was inspired um, by Bill Barnwell, who had his uh, five teams uh, that are going to improve and, and get worse uh, this right. season. We try, We were going to try to have him on the show. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out scheduling-wise. So just shout out well, to Bill Barnwell. Well, he's also on a comp- competing podcast, and I'm sure he was thinking <laughs> to himself, I'm not going on no. the, you know, really. He was taping I'm his. Not about that. I'm not going on that show. Because he's, I want to beat that show. He's on a day. He's on a gambling show on ESPN. That we don't was, gamble. That was, he was taping. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. Exactly. I don't either. It's I'm one gonna, of my favorite articles every year. Good me job, too. Bill. And I, I, uh, I was gonna try to like get some spicier ones, but to me, I'll take the easiest ones now that left on the board because you it. guys have taken some. Do it. To me, the Seahawks are almost the most obvious. They're on answer my list. here. The defense, the defensive talent is just not great. I don't really trust the offensive coaching staff. You have Russell Wilson, but if you just stack up their rosters and you put that on most teams, like that looks like a like a six, seven win, eight win, you know, team at best. I give Pete Carroll a lot of credit, but in that conference, 
I'm not really feeling the Seattle Seahawks. And we didn't feel them last August either. I did. That's had fair. them in the playoffs. Except for you. Oh, that's true. That's this, true. This time around, though, I just think the roster is even worse than it was. They have injuries. The defensive line especially uh, I don't like. And then I think just people are ignoring the Steelers too much. Any team – that has been Roethlisberger and that continuity on offense. And overall, I really like the defensive talent. Like, I, I, they haven't performed as as consistently as you would like. But for the most part, they've been a pretty good defense. I think they've got very good players. They've got the best quarterback in that division, you know, at, until proven otherwise, I, I believe. And to me, they should be one of the AFC Super Bowl favorites. And they're just kind of not a fun team to talk about right now. But you I, said I, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Yeah. Put them in. I think that's fair. So you're not swapping them, you're just throwing them. No, I know, I know. Or no, the, the Steelers are the, the seventh out. NFC uh, playoff team in this exercise. <laughs> be easy to take cheap. the Ravens what? out with out all with the, the Seahawks they lost. and the Steelers sneaking in. Unless the Seahawks well, I, I'm taking out the Texans, and uh, I'll probably take out – I haven't really decided – in Greg's world, the, Chargers, the Seahawks maybe. are still in the AFC. So okay, so that's it's very I didn't know you had to do, the, do it that way. Chargers were next up on my AFC. Teams. Chargers would probably be where I would go next. Um, although the, the Ravens, I think, just because they're in that division, it's gonna be it's gonna be tricky. I doubt this was addressed on Monday's show, uh, Wes, but I think w- maybe a correction is in order. We talked about. Uh, DK Metcalf. Oh yeah, that was that was my <laughs> fault. Uh, I got duped. Yeah, there was. Uh, we were talking about you know whether or not Seahawks were putting too many eggs in the Metcalf basket as a rookie. Um, you know the guy that fell almost fell out of the second round. Wes, you had mentioned that he had been asking for pictures in practice and size order, and, and that was rubbing I, some people the wrong way, but that was actually not a real thing. No, I thought – I got duped by – basically, there's a new site that is like – Somebody the, tweeted me this, so I thought we should bring it up. It's like the onion for Roto World blurbs, Yeah, and I fell hook, line, and sinker for it. I have since been um, in contact with some of the people who run that site, Ooh, and they are friends of our show. Oh, they are? Yeah. I thought okay. you were going to give them a piece of your mind. The way you're no, setting that up. It's the guys from um, the, <laughs> Wait, fan, cop, the fantasy. A the guys who did the Fantasyland podcast okay. about my yeah, cancer. Yeah, they sent it's that. Uh, they sent something to me about that. It made the Reddit board. I didn't want to bother you with it. I thought we just let it. I thought, lie. in fairness, and and no way, Wes, to put, to blow up your spot. But in fairness to DK Metcalf, we're not the National <laughs> Enquirer here. We didn't want to put out that. You know, absolutely. <laughs> I, I I was. Wrong for even bringing it up, and I apologize to DJ, DK Metcalf and all Seahawks fans. We are not the Weekly World News. Remember that, that is one? a fair point. Remember the Weekly World News had like Bat Boy, Bat Boy. Uh, has been found like every week. Uh, male baby born pregnant, you know, typically would that was a common theme. Yeah. Um, all right. That's it. That was true, by the way. That baby was pregnant, which was Bat first, Boy. Well, no, it was. A, this was a separate baby born, a male baby born pregnant. True. Male baby born pregnant. Tough break. A lot of red tape. <laughs> All right. We'll be back on Friday uh, with another um, incredible, cunning episode of the Around the NFL podcast. Um, so make sure you check that out. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot coming up this season. Again, check out the Around the NFL um, subreddit and leave iTunes reviews and uh, leave five stars and, and do all that good stuff that helps the show and hopefully we'll have some announcements coming up about the 2019 season. Uh, exciting times uh, for both the members of the Around the NFL podcast, including the wonderful Ricky Hollywood uh, and all the listeners. Thanks, Dan. These are the good times, right, <laughs> They Ricky? are. They are. Yeah, it's pretty. You can hear it in her voice. Pretty She's good. It's pretty up. good. 
pretty, pretty, pretty good. I just want to say real quick, when you guys were yeah. talking Cowboys, I was at Cowboys camp yesterday, uh-huh. and every don't care every pass <laughs> yes. was to Randall Cobb or Jason Witten. So watch out for for those connections. Just a heads up. <laughs> Insider info. Love it. Nugget. I love it. Randall Cobb. Let me write this down. Jason Witten. Yeah. You know what? Save, you ever heard of Jason Wynn? Save, save that for the fantasy corner because that's coming up later this month. In fact, we got to get on that maybe next week. Well, the fantasy extravaganza or the week after. We'll figure that out. See, that's the stuff we'll do after we sign off. So let's, <laughs> let's end the show. We got to work out the schedule. The show doesn't end when we signed off. We, we grind here. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.